First Baptist Belton is relocating. To learn more, to give, and to stay up to date on the progress, visit faithfulfuture.net. Hey, church. My name's Les Williams, and I have the privilege of serving as the associate youth pastor here. A couple months ago, uh, I was asked if I would preach this Sunday, and we had no idea this would be what would happen. But uh, Pastor Andy, he still wanted me to be able to preach today. He was supposed to be in Haiti. Uh, it's given him a break this week to focus on some different things. And so continue, church, as I know you're doing, praying for him uh, and him and the elders as they continue to shepherd and lead us during this just weird uh, time that we're in. Uh, what I think is so cool uh, about how the Lord works is that a couple months ago when I was asked and I just was thinking through praying what should be the passage that I land on, I landed on uh, Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. So if you've got your Bibles, you've got your phone, go ahead and open up to that. But if you paid attention last week, one of Andy's points was that we need to look to Jesus from Hebrews 12. And so we're going to look at that today, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. So let's go ahead and read that passage. It says, Therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The main point for today, our key focus for today is that in our Christian life, we must run with endurance. That there's going to be difficulties. There's going to be hard times. So we've got to get this idea in our mind. We've got to get this truth in our mind that we are on a long distance race. We are on a journey. It is not a sprint. And so we must run with endurance. And so endurance is the ability to hold out or bear up in the face of difficulty. To have endurance, to hold out, to to bear up when things get hard, when you want to quit, when you want to stop. We must run with endurance. And we will see that Jesus, that's what Jesus has done. And it says the race that is set before us. The race that is set before us. That all of us, we have a race to run. That Jesus has laid out a course for us to run. And all of our courses are different, but they are not without difficulty. And a danger you can get into is if you start to look at other people's races. If you start to compare your course to somebody else's course. Because you will think they have it easier than what you have. You may feel you're running uphill the entire time when someone else seems to be just cruising. And you can't do that, church. Jesus has a race. He has a course that is set for you. But it is not without difficulty. And so we must, as followers of Jesus, run with endurance. So how do we run with endurance? How are we going to run this race of endurance? So we're going to start first with the application side of things. Then we'll move to the theological side of things. So four ways at which we can run with endurance. Look again at verse 1. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses. The first way at which we run with endurance is we remember. 
that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Remember, don't forget, remember that we are surrounded by saints, by warriors who ran their race, who finished their race, completed the race that Jesus had set for them. So we are to remember them. I love, I love this word witness. This is the same word used in Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8, that you will go forth and you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? It's the same word. It means that we testify about Jesus. That we are going to be witnesses as if we're called to a stand. And we're going to give testimony. We're going to tell about the truth of Jesus. And we must remember those who have gone before us that spent their lives testifying to the truth of Jesus. But we also get the word martyr from this word. Those who were killed for their faith. Those who, who said, man, in the face of difficulty, that difficulty being death, they chose Jesus and gave their lives. And so we must remember those who ran their race, ran the race with difficulty and finished their race. Remember them, look to them. See, the first word in chapter 12 is therefore. So what is it therefore? Chapter 11, if you've been around church for any time, you know chapter 11 is the hall of faith. That all throughout chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews is, is writing by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, by faith, Noah, by faith, Rahab, and listing all of these people, these heroes of our faith, if you will, men and women who gave their lives, who followed their Lord, ran their race of endurance. So church, remember Abraham. Remember Moses. Remember the prophets. Remember the apostles. Remember the early church fathers. Remember the reformers. Remember their examples so that when things get hard, you look to the examples set by the cloud of witnesses. That they will encourage you and inspire you and challenge you to keep running your race. Get this picture in your mind that when you get up in the morning, there is a cloud of witness. I mean, it's all around you and they are cheering you on. They are telling you, go run with endurance. You can do it. They are just, uh, they are lining the, the, the halls, the streets and telling you to run with endurance. It's all around you. So I would encourage you, church, to read biographies of Christians Read biographies of Christians because what you're going to see here is those that, that we put up on this pedestal, they're just like you and I. They are flawed, but they were faithful and they ran their race of endurance. Watch Christian biography. One of the things I've done during the, I guess, 50 days we've kind of been on shelter in place is I've searched Netflix and Amazon Prime for documentaries and I've been able to watch a couple that just stir my heart and stir my soul to run this race. So do that this week. Go grab a book. Search for a documentary. To remember the cloud of witnesses that will help us run our race of endurance. The second way, look again at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. So that's the second way. If we're going to run with endurance, we have got to lay aside every weight. Other translations you may have, it says, throw it off. Get rid of it. Paul even says, put to death. Right? Now, now here's the deal. Weight, weight isn't necessarily a bad thing. If I was to go into a gym and I was to lift some weights, that would be a good thing. Weights are a good thing. And so the weight that the writer has in mind here, these aren't necessarily bad things. 
These are good things. But are these things truly going to help us as we run with endurance? Because you see, if I were to take a 20-pound weighted vest and I was to try to run a race with it, it would slow me down. It would be a hindrance to me. So it would not be a good idea for me to take a 20-pound weighted vest and run with it. So I must lay it aside. I must throw it off if I'm going to run with endurance the best I can. So there is so much stuff around us that are good things, that aren't bad things in and of themselves. But we're grabbing all this stuff to put on us and to run with that it's weighing us down. And the writer says, man, throw that off. When you run your race with endurance, you've got to be as light as possible. So you only add what you need. And the other stuff we will lay off, lay aside, we will throw off, we will cast away because it does not help us run. So in your race... What are the things you need to throw off? What, what are some of the things that you're adding that's not helping you run? That, that perhaps your run has become maybe a fast walk. Some of us maybe have benefited from finally slowing down. All our kids' events have been canceled and things have just slowed down. We spent the most time we've ever spent with our family. So I would say when we go back to whatever normal is, don't get caught being too busy. Throw off the busyness. Throw off the busyness. It's going to hinder you. It's going to obstruct you from running your race of endurance. So what what are the things you need to throw off? Here's a question for you to ask yourself. Does this help me run? Does this help me run with endurance? And if the answer is no, throw it off. Don't even pick it up. Don't even put it on. Leave it off. So we're going to run with the race of endurance. We've got to remember the cloud of witnesses. We've got to lay aside the weight. Number three, look again at verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. So here it is. We've got to lay aside. We've got to throw off. We've got to get rid of. We've got to put to death the sin that is in and around us, the temptations that can come and get us. We, we've got to throw those off. All throughout the New Testament, you'll see lists of sins. So if you need some help defining for you what are the sins you need to run away from that you need to throw off, go to 1 Corinthians 6. Go to Colossians 3. Go to Galatians 5. Read those things. Measure your heart. Look at your heart and go, man, I need to throw these things. I need to get rid of them because what does it say? They cling so closely. The word cling, ensnare, obstruct constrict it's the idea of bound tightly that sin sin's not just going to slow your run sin is going to make it to where you can't even run with endurance it's going to bound you up it's going to handcuff you it's going to wrap you up it's going to tie you down it's going to hold you up and so the writer says man throw off the sin you've got to get this idea in your mind that sin is like a lion and when it pounces on a prey, when that lion pounces on its prey, that lion, man, it has ensnared its prey. It has obstructed its prey. It has constricted its prey. That prey is not getting away from the lion. And so we've got to see sin in this way so that we will have a desire to throw it off. Because John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy church. We've got to know that, man, that sin wants to blow you up. Sin wants to destroy you. Sin wants to ruin your life. We've, we've created a lot of social distancing, church. Man, let's get back to creating some sinful distancing. Let's, let's run away from 
Let's, let's be crazy, like the crazy corona people that are like wearing masks and three-piece everything and cleaning everything. We've got to be that way towards the sin that's all around us. We have got to put some distance. We've got to throw off the sin that's around us. Ecclesiastes 7.26, Solomon says, I found something more bitter than death. He's describing sin. He describes sin as more bitter than death. So in your race of endurance, what is the sin that you need to throw off? There's, this, there's studies that are coming out right now in the corona time that we're, see, we're seeing a massive increase in some things. We're seeing a big increase in pornography. You're seeing a big increase in uh, uh, drunkenness and alcoholism. Right now, in our own Bell County, we're seeing an increase of children being abused. And so there's a call for foster care people that can you take another child? What is it that's causing you to stop your race? Hey, come confess that. Scripture says if we'll confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. Psalms 32, I believe, says that when I kept quiet about my sin, my body like started to feel like it was dying. But then when I confessed it, life was brought back to me. Don't hold in the sin. Don't keep it a secret. Confess it. Get rid of it. Throw the sin off. Sin does not help you run with endurance, so you must throw it off. Lastly, look again at verse 1. How do we run with endurance? First thing, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Number two, let us lay aside uh, every weight. Number three, lay aside the sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And here it is, the beginning of verse two. The fourth way that we run with endurance says looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. Notice this is in the present tense. This isn't the past tense. This isn't a future tense. This is the present tense. That when you run your race, you are looking to Jesus. Your eyes are fixed on Jesus. You you behold Jesus. This idea of looking is to direct your attention without distraction. Y'all, I am hugging this camera with my eyes. Can you see it? This is the idea of looking to Jesus that nothing around me right now is distracting me. I'm looking at this camera. We must look at Jesus. Fix our eyes. Behold him. This is the only way that our race of endurance will truly be accomplished is by fixing our eyes eyes on Jesus. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, he gives us the ability to hold out and to bear up in the face of difficult. Jesus is the one we need. Jesus is the prize. Jesus is the treasure. Jesus is the goal. You see, it's not enough simply to remember. It's not enough simply to throw off weight and sin. That is not going to get us completely to the finish line. That's going to help us. But ultimately, it's when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we look to Him presently, daily. We look to Him. That's what's going to get us to the finish line. Because you see, when you look to Jesus, you begin to see that all these things slowly begin to fade away. And the things of this earth, right, begin to fade away. So I look, I turn my eyes upon Jesus. Because he is the prize. 
He is the goal. He is the treasure. He is supreme. So in our race of endurance, we must, church, look to Jesus. Three ways to look to Jesus. Three ways. Individually is the first way. Individually, you need to have a time where you sit down with your Bible. Why do you sit down with your Bible? Because the Bible is all about Jesus. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation is all about Jesus. So if we want to look to Jesus, we've got to look to the Scriptures. Don't need you listening to other sermons. Don't need you going and getting all these devotional books or Bible commentaries. Man, it's you and the Bible. You and Jesus sit down with your copy of the scripture. Make a point of it every day to have some time where you sit down individually and you look to Jesus in the scriptures. The second way to look to Jesus is in small groups. What I love that our church has been doing is that there are these Zoom Sunday school classes that are available. We have life groups in the youth ministry that are meeting through Zoom. And so us as a church, we are still doing our part to equip the saints with these small group Bible studies where they open the word of God. We look to Jesus as a group, as a smaller group to talk and discuss and to pray. And thirdly, corporately, and I know we can't wait for that day when we all get to come back in here into the uh, sanctuary and we can, do, we can worship together. But those three areas are going to make you look to Jesus. If you look to him daily, individually, if you look to him in a small group setting and you will look to him corporately, we will see a rise in the biblical literacy of our day because it is my thesis. It's something I tell these students that we live in a day with so much Bible study material, so much Bible study aids and tools, and yet we are the most biblically illiterate uh, culture there's ever been in America. We don't know our Bibles because we don't look to Jesus. And so when difficulties come, our run becomes a stumble or a walk. Or we just quit and we want to leave. We hear some philosophy that we, sounds cool because we don't know our theology that refutes that philosophy. And so we, we stop running this race. Look to Jesus, church. Look to Jesus. So, why do we look to Jesus? What's the big deal about Jesus? Look at verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Five things quickly. Number one, why do we look to Jesus? He is the founder of our faith. This is the theological side of of this sermon. He is the founder of our faith. Hear that word. He is the founder of our faith. This word in the Greek is where we get the word architect from. And a matter of fact, this word only appears in the New Testament right here in Hebrews 12, 2. I'm sorry, it appears four times. It appears four times in the New Testament. And all four times it refers to Jesus. All four times this specific Greek word, founder, author, creator, refers to Jesus. And the definition of this word means one who begins or originates something. One who starts something. That if you are a follower of Jesus... It's not because you were wise enough. 
It's not because you were good enough. It's not because you were deserving of it. It's because Jesus, in his grace, breathed his life into your dead body and became the founder, became the writer, became the author of your faith. He put you in the race. He gave you life in your dead body. And so therefore, we look to Jesus. The second way we looked at Jesus, it says he's, that he is the founder of our faith, but he is the perfecter of our faith. This word only appears one time in the New Testament. This word, perfecter, only appears one time in the New Testament. But the root of this word appears all over the New Testament. This word means one who brings something to a successful completion. That Jesus, once he begins your faith, puts you in the race, race, that Jesus is going to ensure through his grace that he brings you to completion. Philippians 1.6. He who began a work in you will bring it to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. It's the same root word. That what Jesus starts, he finishes. Jesus on the cross says, it is finished to tell us it is accomplished same root word same idea jesus started on a journey as a man went to the cross accomplished successfully the salvation for you and i and so it says here why do we look to jesus he doesn't just author our faith but he perfects our faith that what he starts he finishes and i love what dr tony evans says that what he alphas he omegas jesus will start us in the race he will keep us in the race he will ensure that we finish the race but how we run our race is up to us so look to jesus look to jesus throw off everything Look to Jesus and run with endurance. Number three, look again at verse two. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. There's that word endurance. Number three, why do we look to Jesus? He is the perfect example of how to endure. He is the perfect. There is not a better example of who we should model after. Jesus ran with endurance perfectly. Think about it. Satan tempts him. Jesus throws off that temptation. Jesus in the garden. Jesus wanted to quit in the garden. Father, is there any other way but not my will, your will? And there was no other way. And so he continued to run with endurance. Jesus is the perfect example. And why did Jesus endure? Look what it says. Why did he endure? Middle of verse 2. Who for the joy that was set before him. Church, you need to know this. There is an abundance of joy that is on the race that Jesus has marked out for you. If you haven't figured out, following Jesus runs counterculture to everything. Because how is it that James, the brother of Jesus, can say, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds? Well, when you follow Jesus, you find out that whether he's in the valley, you're in the mountaintop, Jesus is the joy. Jesus is the prize. And so there is much joy in the race of endurance. There is more joy in enduring than there is in quitting. There is more joy in throwing off the weight and throwing off the sin than keeping it on. Jesus is the source of all joy. He is the source of all pleasure. He is the source of all happiness. And so it only makes sense 
that we would look to him and we would throw everything off because he has something for us that nothing in this world can give us. He satisfies better than the best thing ever because he is the one who created those things. See, I don't want the creation. I want the creator. So why do we look to Jesus? Because there is a joy. There's an abundant life found in him on this race. Number four, we begin at verse two. Looking to Jesus, why do we look to Jesus? One, he's the founder of our faith. Two, he's the perfecter of our faith. Three, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He is the perfect example of how to endure. And number four, despising the shame. That Christ goes to the cross, he despises the shame of the cross. The cross was an awful way to be killed. I mean, matter of fact, our Old Testament even tells us is cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And Jesus goes to the cross. He becomes the curse for us so that we don't have to be cursed. He took something that was shameful and despised it. The cross brought shame, but now it brings salvation. The cross was awful, but now it is awesome. The cross once brought hurt, and now it brings healing. The cross once brought torment, but now it brings atonement. The cross meant to kill is my victory. And so we look to Jesus who despised the cross, who embarrassed the cross, got rid of that shame and that guilt so that you and I can run this race and run it with joy. And lastly, get the end of verse two, number five here. Why do we look to Jesus? Because it says, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This comes from Psalm 110. Psalm 110 is the most quoted psalm in all of the New Testament. Matter of fact, all over the book of Hebrews, you will see Psalm 110 quoted. Because the writer of Hebrews knows this, that Psalm 110 is all about the king who rules and reigns sovereignly, who's supreme, who has no rival, who has no equal. And so therefore, we look to Jesus because he is the king. Church, Jesus is not an EMT. And I'm afraid at times we treat Jesus like he's an EMT. Something bad has happened. A crisis is happening. So we pick up the prayer line. Jesus, help me. This is going on. Jesus is not an EMT. Jesus is the king. Some of us, we look like look at Jesus like he's Santa Claus. One time a year, we want to come give him the little, hey, how's it going? Give me all this good stuff. Give me all these presents. Jesus is not your Santa Claus. He is the king who reigns and rules. Some of us, we think Jesus is the butler. Let me ring this little bell, maybe push this little button. Jesus will just show up and serve my every need. That is not Jesus of Scripture. There's a reason Psalm 110 is quoted all over the New Testament because Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the king who sovereignly rules. See, Jesus is the only one that can take something that was meant for evil and make it be for good, Genesis 50. Psalm 115, verse 3, our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. Nothing stops Jesus. He is all-powerful. Nothing stops His will or His purposes. They are accomplished. Psalm 110 again, it says that Satan is Jesus' footstool. So some of y'all need to stop, give it, stop giving Satan so much power in your life. 
Jesus props his feet up on Satan. And when he wants to, he puts a leash on him and walks him like a dog. Jesus is the king. And so we look to Jesus. Because Jesus is the king, we throw off the sin and the weight. Because Jesus is the king, we remember the great cloud of witnesses. What I love about First Baptist Belton is in that great cloud of witnesses along with the prophets and along with the reformers is that we have a ton of saints that are cheering us on, that sat in these seats, that looked to Jesus, that ran with endurance. And when I think of some of those at First Baptist Belton, you're thinking of some of them. Who were some of the saints that ran the race of endurance and finished it? Remember them. They're cheering you on. I think of Lee Baldwin. Lee Baldwin cheering us on. Run with endurance. I think of Jim, Jim Covington. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I think of Al Jordan, throw off the sin, throw off the weight, run with endurance. And oh, perhaps the newest member, Miss Jeanette Kelly, ran her race of endurance, looked to Jesus. Do you hear her, church? Do you hear her? Do you hear the cloud of witnesses? Church, run with endurance. Look to Jesus. Fix your eyes. And don't let anything distract you. Let's pray. Father, in this world we will have trouble. That's what your word says. But take heart. You have overcome the world. And so God, I pray today that my feeble words, that you would take them and you would use them that we may all look to the one who overcame So, Father, we're all going through different difficulties. There are people getting laid off now. There are all fears around us. God, I pray that we would look to you and we would hold to you, Father, because you are so good. Somehow there's joy on this journey right now of difficulty. And so I trust you and I walk in you. So, God, I pray First Baptist Belton will run with endurance the race that is set before them. So God, we pray this in your name. Amen. Church, I leave you with this passage this morning out of June, Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer or need to talk with someone. We're here to listen, to help, and to encourage you.